0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another sunny and, let's face it, rather warm day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Raúl Pinel, chairman of Bromley Healthcare, a social enterprise delivering out-of-hospital healthcare. Raúl, hello. Hi. Thank you for coming on the program today. Uh, Now, normally, uh, we'd get straight on to the subject of leadership. uh, But considering uh, the circumstances that we all find ourselves under at the moment, how has COVID-19 affected your operation?
1: I found the period delivering NHS community services absolutely inspiring. Mm -hmm. People on the front line have torn up their job descriptions and taken on new tasks without a moment's thought. And I think of two examples. One is personal protective equipment. We used to use about 400 items a day of gloves, masks, and gowns. Overnight, it went to 12,000 a day. How we were going to manage their storage and their distribution to over a thousand people? in one of London's largest geographical boroughs. The finance team stepped up to the plate, found a place to store, check it in, check it out, arranged delivery through local black cabs, et cetera. Amazing. Secondly, COVID. How do we keep people out of hospital? It might not be the best place for them to be. You're asked to set up a COVID monitoring service, a sort of adjunct to one one we got a team together of people from our care coordination center who spent a lot of time speaking to patients on the phone. We got our community matrons together. We got some GPs together. We put them in a locked room, <laughs> took the key away, and they came out with a wonderful way of being able to talk to people to reassure them. Or to say you need to go into hospital now, and we will arrange it. So, a most extraordinary piece of essentially public sector workers doing things, the right things, without a moment's pause. So very inspiring.
0: Have you had any difficulties in sourcing the equipment that you require?
1: Not really. It is more been a matter of managing to manage the local logistics and us knowing that we are the ones that are going to have to do it and our team have done it.
0: Now, following on uh, from our conversation on COVID, this week's uh, question of the week uh, is uh, in relation uh, to this, of course. Uh, Each week, we have a topical question uh, we like to ask. And uh, this week's question is, What role do you think that the office will play in the future of work, both within your organization and the wider world?
1: Um, I think that we see people in their own homes in terms of most of our work. So we see 10,000 people a week in their own homes or in some local clinics. During COVID, we've conducted some 30,000 so far, video consultations of some sort or other. So certainly, one thing that's gonna change is the need to do everything in a local clinic environment or everything in somebody's home. So I believe we'll end up with a balance of still seeing people face to face, still requiring offices to manage certain types of activity, but a percentage of that, depending on the situation, will be replaced with a different form of electronic communication.
0: And do you feel that this is going to have an impact on commercial real estate? In some situations,
1: I actually don't believe so, because people who, in our situation often don't have the space at home to work effectively. They may live in a single-person apartment, and we've seen many Zoom calls with our team where that is so. So they, do they need a touch space for work where they can interface with other people, etc.? So what are my personal view is, it'll change the nature of some office real estate, but not fundamentally change the amount of space that is um, needed.
0: Now, of course, you're here to discuss the concept of leadership. We should move into that field. I always like to start this part of the conversation off by asking the same simple question. What does the word leader mean to you?
1: (laughs) A leader. I think a leader has to ensure the organization has one eye on today and the other eye on the future. I think a leader has to support, and provoke his team to do better. I think a leader has to ensure there's cash in the bank to pay the wages at the end of the week. I think those are some of the critical, critical needs. Mm.
0: And how would you describe your personal leadership style? Leadership
1: style, I think, I hope I would start with Question, question, question. The reason for that is that most people on the front line have the answers. They know more what to do than I do. So can we frame things in a way that gets the best out of them? I secondly think in terms of leadership style, I think... Inspiration is a part of something that is important in the sense of what new could we do, what different could we do, and perhaps then sometimes give ideas and thoughts about how that might be possible. And the other piece of leadership style that's important to me is my personal sense of responsibility to keep an eye on the money, businesses' activities don't go bust because they're not profitable. They go bust because they run out of money. Mm. So are we keeping an eye on the money? And that will enable us to ensure that we can invest in new things for the future. So those are some of the bits I would offer in terms of leadership style.
0: Well, let's go back to the beginning of your career when you first started off your working life. Did you have any particular role models who shaped the way you lead today?
1: I do think that the um, whole piece of um, case studies that looks at what people have done rather than just talks about strategy and policy as though they're some academic exercises. So I do think uh, Tom Peters, um, I do think who, who, who led that whole field uh, uh, of, I think was, was was critical in delivering that to economic benefit. It's about what people have done rather than what they say they're going to do. So I think that would be a personal role model
0: for me. Now, unfortunately, our time together is beginning to wane. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months look like for Bromley Healthcare?
1: Um, I think the most important thing, we've got to seize the day. The elephant in the room is that health and social care is not as connected and interconnected as it could be. So we plan to enter the social care market from the bottom up. And we're currently reviewing an entry into the care at home market. And we could be able to show how we can join that up and how should we have second spikes? Should we have issues like this in the future? that we're able to demonstrate how we can join up care, care coordination records, and holistically look at what people need in a much more and improved way.
0: Well, Raul, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on the program today. It's been a pleasure having you on. And of course, I'd love to have you back on when things get back to normal. But for now, thank you and your entire team for all the hard work you put in during this very difficult time. Raul, thank you. Thank you. That was Raul Pinnell, Chairman of Bromley Healthcare. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is my exclusive interview with Lord Blunkett. Lord Blunkett, welcome.
2: Thank you very much. It's very good to be with you.
0: Um, well, of course, uh, nothing is being said uh, at the moment other than COVID-19, uh, which uh, we must touch on. Um, what would your message be to small businesses who are trying to keep going?
2: Well, I think the last ones standing will be the ones that thrive when we get back to some sort of normality. So it's have confidence and courage. Obviously, take advantage as far as you can of the government help. I think that Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, has gone about as far as you could have expected Mm -hmm. in the circumstances. There are obviously small businesses that fall between the cracks, those who uh, don't have um, declined premises, can't benefit from the business rate waiver, uh, have not really been able to demonstrate that they can uh, adhere to the PAYE for furloughing staff, and of course, whether they can receive the the grant, 10,000 or 25,000, all all of those who can uh, are obviously able at least to benefit from that for the time being and look to the future. But I think the second thing to say, and they don't need me to tell them this as a politician who who did once do a business studies qualification, which is that it will be a different world. And being able mm. to think about how that world will look in a year's time and be creative about it and learn from not just what's happening to you at this moment in time, but to others around you and the sector that you're working in, that will be really important.
0: Do you feel that the long term uh, effects of uh, the COVID-19 outbreak and you're absolutely right in a in a liberal uh democracy that we live in it's it's very difficult for people to swallow orders given to them from government um
2: well the the UK and um and the US and to some extent to uh, the Scandinavian countries have a very different hi- interest uh, history and and therefore interest in maintaining the freedom to decide and the persuasion and mm. consent that's required has gone over the top, and that in itself is a constraint and uh, a readjustment. That's another strength of um, living in a country where you can have opinions and express them without actually being thought to be a fool.